Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Vivisection, the show that gives you a comprehensive breakdown and expert analysis of all the fights happening on this week's UFC main card. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Bloody Elbow Fight Analysts, Zane Simon and Connor Rebush. Hey everybody, welcome back to the MMA Viva section with me, Zane Simon, and my co-hosts, as always, Connor Rebush. Hey. <laughs> Didn't even get the that me. I go, oh, that's right, I gave it to Phil. So you're yeah. not allowed to eat. I don't have it anymore. Yeah. Hello, how are you? <laughs> that's my new that's my new signature greeting. That's right. Please you were more of an MST3K guy, I'd say we're all out of toner, but <laughs> that really only plays to the hardcore Misty crowd among our. Oh God, I'm not fans. hardcore enough to call it Misty. Yeah, that's right, exactly. Lord, I think the kids today, Zane, are watching uh, Best of the Worst. Yeah, I'm sure they're, they're a title which you have repeatedly tried to steal. They've they've got they've got their baggy pants and their hundred dollars and <laughs> it's, no it's just some drunken slobs from the Midwest it's just like mystery science theater yeah no I, that was it was another mystery science theater joke about uh, oh. Mike ranting about kids today and how yeah. they all have baggy pants and a hundred dollars <laughs> <laughs> anyway anyway. <laughs> We're here to talk about this UFC card going down this week, which is just kind of, you know, our, our producer called it crap. Our uh, Connor called it okay. And my feeling on it is that it just is very one level. There's no main event there's no real undercard to it there's no differentiation between the best of this card and the worst of this card you know if you swap grant dawson versus bobby green with felipe Linz versus iwan kudalaba literally nobody would care um i mean i you know i would care if like like I, I, I let me let me push back against that by saying there are some fights that I think if this card lost them it would become significantly worse to me. Really? Right? Like if it lost like Morono Buckley, I think that's a cool fight. I would like to see that. It's a cool fight. If it lost but... Algio Hernandez, I mean that's an interesting fight. I want to see that. Sure, but like to me, I'd there's much not, rather lose not a lead. huge difference between these fights in terms of like potential and action potential even and something like Johnny Munoz versus Ari Chilang. Yeah. That um, well, no, I disagree. I you could lose that one. I mean, Johnny Munoz is a horror show, but I'm gonna enjoy it. I think the I think the card's okay. I don't think it's I'm not saying it's good. I think no. the real letdown of this card is that you're gonna enjoy probably a series of quite decent quality essentially undercard fights i mean that i agree they're all basically prelims yeah this and is a, a season card is yeah what this is. 
Yeah, and one which, because I follow the UFC, I happen to know way more of the fighters than I would there. But absolutely, it's not like a, uh, it's not a, a stacked card by any means. But it's steady quality mostly throughout. Yeah, and the, the letdown is that you have to look forward to a Grant Dawson fight at the end, which I can't really complain about because Dawson Green is a perfectly relevant, sensible matchup for its division. I just hate Grant Dawson. Yeah, it's and it's. I gotta say, it's not the kind of fight that I want to see Grant Dawson in. What do you want to? I would like to see Grant Dawson in a fight with a, a electric power station. <laughs> you know, where he can only use his mouth. <laughs> that sounds like the kind of fight I'd like to see Grant Dawson in. I just want to see. You know, like I want to see him take on somebody like, you know. Hanato Moicano or an 18 wheeler Dan Hooker or Armand Saryukin or like somebody that's really set to challenge his wrestling game as well and and just to challenge his pace in a way that like I mean Bobby Green is not a bad wrestler but Bobby Green does not he struggles enough with pace that I'm just not all that convinced that I'm yeah. thrilled for this booking. I'm, I am I can't imagine being thrilled for any booking that wasn't one where I was pretty sure Grant Dawson was, was going to come out worse for the wear. Yeah, that's really it. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that he's going to lose. Yeah. And the fact that I got really <laughs> depressed when he beat Demir Ismagulov makes me yeah. wonder if I'm not just self like hating myself. Because that was a fight where I was like, yeah, no, this is this is a fight I don't think Grant Dawson can win. And Boy, did he. Boy, did he. Yep. No, this is just entirely personal grievance for me. I just think he has yeah. a... A style which I personally find completely miserable to uh, to watch. Yeah, and a face which makes him the most yeah. unhuman on the planet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait till people hear the next episode of the Depressed Us. We watched Grant Dawson's fight with Leonardo Santos, and at one point Santos gets knocked out, and and Zane imitated Dawson's corner, going, "Oh no." Yeah, thinking it was their guy because they don't remember what he looks like. <laughs> I'm still laughing about that one. Uh, but yeah, anyway, like it is a it's it's a valid main event. Like you can't yeah. really complain about it on paper. No. But um, I just don't care about it. But I'm okay with the card, to be honest. Yeah. I, yeah. Let's so let's dive into this this Dawson yeah. fight. Yeah. Then on that note, and. Uh, yeah, a fight that honestly I would probably feel a little more competitive about a couple of years ago for Bobby Green. Yeah, I mean I still think this, like the Ismagula fight, I, I still think these matchups have the potential to be difficult for Grant Dawson sure. because part of the re if Grant Dawson was just out there like masterfully crushing everyone he fights just smothering them completely and the fights were boring i would still have like more respect for his game i think mm -hmm. the thing is is that you see in every grant dawson fight something which is quite embarrassing for grant dawson almost like uh, he 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 really is he's like colby covington with like without the striking or the chin 
he still has some semblance of like the idea towards pace, but it is all grappling. But then even his grappling game, it's very much, I, I, I don't want to uh, overpraise him here. It has like elements of like Damian Maya's wrestling game where it's like, mm-hmm. he doesn't even really seem that good at hitting powerful takedowns. Yeah. Uh, he has to like, just get into this sort of, sort of arena where he can, he can drag people into this like He's quicksand. He is. Which is one of the things where it's like, you know, for a lot of fighters like that, like Damian Maya, there's a lot of takedown attempts, but the actual work of what that yes. takedown attempt is doing is not necessarily to put an opponent on the mat because they're often not physical enough to just put an opponent on the mat. Yeah. It's all about trying to create a body lock position that will eventually lead to a back take, which is just, it's not interesting. And, you know, God bless Damian Maya. He had the sense to go through the K1 Maya phase first. Yeah. So when there was a fight or even just a portion of a fight where he was forced to strike, he didn't look clueless. No, I will still remember to my dying day, I think it was Aaron Bronsteeter being like, what evidence is there that Ben Askren isn't a better, isn't as good a boxer as Damian Maya? How about like, Maya's boxing? Yeah, yeah, literally your eyes. Yeah. Which We're was... going into this fight and you should be able to see as clear as yeah. day that Damian Maya is an a much better striker than Ben Askren. And through the whole last like 10 years of his career, there were a lot of fights where you're like, you know what? Damian Maya's not doing bad on the feet here. He, he had, he, Maya was the case of a guy who ended up with all the right ideas. And it yeah. was just, you know, he was never going to be fast and he was never going to be powerful. Yeah. And, and by the time the whole game came together, it was probably too late for what athletic prime he did have. Exactly. But he was an excellent student of the game, Damian Maya. Yeah. And, um, that is not the impression I get of Grant Dawson, largely because um, he does have elements of the Maya wrestling game where, like, he can get you down even if the shot doesn't finish. Yeah. He will indeed, like, pull half guard to, to mm-hmm. work to a single leg, just like Maya. But his striking is atrocious. He doesn't it have is, any eye, eye for defense whatsoever. Absolutely none. He is one of the most hittable fighters in the feet. And, and he gets like, he got dropped by Mark O'Madson in the first like 20 seconds mm-hmm. of their fight. And then Mark O'Madson was like beating him on the ground. But because it was a grappling exchange, Dawson did find a way to gain top position and get to O'Madson's back. Yeah. He, he, Madsen's game, MMA game is undercooked enough to the point that if he was going to scramble with that Grant Dawson, he was going to lose all those scrambling matches. Right. But you shouldn't be getting knocked down. By Mark O. Madsen in the yeah. first 20 seconds of a fight. Um, and then there's also the fact that, like, his his, his game, uh, even his A game, and I suppose Maya suffered from a bit of this, too, but at least he was old, <laughs> is horribly inefficient. Yeah. Um, and requires, and, and he's just a tense fighter because he doesn't look comfortable in there. And so then you have fights like the one with, um, with uh, Ricky Glenn. Mm-hmm. Or the fight with um, Jared Gordon, where these look like pretty impressive performances, at least, you know, if the if the ends justify the means, he's winning the rounds. And, and then round three, he starts getting just tuned up. Yeah. 
whether it's on the feet by Jared Gordon or when Ricky Glenn finally figures out how to beat him in a scramble and maintain top position and then starts carving into pieces with elbows and punches. Um, it's just never a very, like, it's not like an authoritative style. It's not. It is, it is a little bit damning of MMA that it allows a lot of these guys to thrive. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, um, you know, like I, on the one hand, I kind of have to respect it because like it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't really work that well. And it's clearly a testament to Dawson's like complete, like boneheaded determination Yeah, that he wins Absolutely. a lot of fights with this a game. Determined, single-minded fighter. Yes. Filled with confidence and ready to, he knows what he's supposed to be doing and he always does it. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, he, does, he doesn't, resilient. you know, he, he doesn't know that he's supposed to defend himself, yeah. Ever, but he knows exactly what all of the, you know, he, he's been told you gotta, you gotta be aggressive and you gotta, you gotta throw and come forward, and he does it. And he knows you gotta wrestle, and he does it. And he knows you gotta grapple and hold positions, and he does it. He certainly and, does it. Doesn't give it up once he gets on top of you. Yeah, it's not all. It's not pretty. For most of it, Lord no, but it, it's very—he's uh, very Darren Elkins, is really what it is. But yeah, uh, not necessarily. Yeah, no, he's, he's just very Darren <laughs> Elkins. That's it. I was gonna make he's some other a, addition to that, but no, he's not as fun as Darren Elkins. Though. Well, <laughs> Darren Elkins was often smaller than his competition. Yeah. And so it was a real underdog battle. Yeah. That you felt like you were watching. He had to get his ass beat a lot more to kind of earn his uh, grimy wins. Yeah. yeah. There's less of that with Grant Dawson. Grant Dawson is very much a size bully is part of what's going on here. Yeah. Um, it feels like, I mean, he's but, only 5'10", so it's not like he's some giant giant lightweight. He's a lot less of a size bully since he had to move up because exactly. he, was gas- he was gassing all the time at featherweight. He would have been yeah. a size bully at featherweight if he could have maintained it. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, um, you know, the reason I say that matchups like this are always going to be um, – it, it, they're quite possible for Dawson to lose and, and, and why I think that I, – I can't escape the feeling that something was something else was going on with Damir Ismagulov. No, yeah. I don't think that was just, oh my God, Dawson's going to be beating these guys forever from now on. No. Um, I think, you know, he wanted to retire. He couldn't. He wanted out of his contract. He couldn't get out of it. Uh, who knows? But he was clearly having second thoughts, at the very least, about continuing to be a UFC fighter yeah. and had for some time and possibly doesn't want to fight at all anymore. Yeah. And, um, but then you go back to the fight that we watched for the Deprestus against Leonardo Santos. And if that wasn't an old man he was fighting, Dawson would have got his ass whooped mm-hmm. because he was losing horribly in the first round. He, he didn't, I, I can't remember a moment of success he had in the first round. He got hit with the cleaner strikes, all of his takedowns shut down. A good defensive wrestler who can use like a, a reach advantage uh, on the feet will always have a chance to just there's only one thing Dawson can do to win his fights. There's only one area where he wins his fights. Yeah. Um, and that could be Bobby green. Sure. It could be Bobby green is, uh, unless you're Islam Makachev, usually a very stout defensive wrestler. Mm-hmm. Um, excellent 
uh, just sort of an excellent, diverse striker uh, who can be very rangy and very tricky. Yep. And uh, and can do a good amount of damage, you know. So I don't know. I optimistically picked Bobby Green already on heavy hands last week, just to spite Grant Dawson. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just going to do that again. Yeah, I would. I would love to join you in that. I would love to see Bobby Green win this fight, and you know, put I, on I sh- a. I should say I have the feeling it won't happen. But... Yeah, <laughs> the, the the thing for me here is really that Bobby Green. A one thing. Bobby Green's takedown defense is solid. Yeah, but he often can get taken down and have to fight his way out of it. He's, he's a lot better at wrestling from a point of defense or about of, of having to defend himself than he is just at stuffing takedowns. He's a very good mat wrestler. He's a very good mat wrestler. He's very good at getting back to his feet, Mm -hmm. but he gets taken down pretty regularly, not an absurd amount. Certainly not, you know, as much as he's been shot on. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Lando Venata took him down four times. Clay Guida took him down three times. Mm-hmm. Tiago Moises took him down twice. A lot of people have gotten him down. And he's beat a lot of those people. And mm-hmm. he should have beat a lot of those people, even, you can argue. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're all tough fights. And... My big thing that I don't like, like I said, a couple of years ago, maybe around the Nazrat Hakparast fight or the Ali Iaquinta win. Yeah. And the, the Fiziev fight. I might have picked Bobby Green a lot more confidently here. Because I, th- I feel like Green was really finding this moment as a yeah. crafty volume striker who could uh, work off of his back foot, counter in combination, and just kind of be slick. Even the Moises fight, which I still don't. Yeah. I mean, this is a thing he's struggled with his entire career, but I don't really know how he lost that fight. It, that is a continually... That I mean, that that is a continual problem here that it's hard not to, for me to, it's hard for me to ignore that going into this fight. That Grant Dawson just like getting into like attacking positions without successfully attacking anything Mm -hmm. might win him the fight. Even if he is getting out numerically getting outstruck and really should be losing the rounds. Yeah. Bobby Green has lost a lot of decisions. If not in that exact shape, then sort of like that where the other guy's coming forward or the other guy is shooting a lot or whatever. And Dawson and, and has a style work, made to win those kinds yeah. of fights as well. And a lot of the work Green does in these fights is subtle. Yep. Compared to like a big dumb shot, which may not even finish, but which forces him to defend against the fence for four minutes. Or, or you know, which puts Green on the mat and then Green yeah. spends a minute fighting his way back to his feet. Yeah. And he has and, to like fight off back control in the standing position or yeah. something. And yeah. And maybe he landed like 30 good shots that round. But they were all like jabs off the back foot, and judges don't know how to see that. Yeah. So that's a big problem. The other thing that's a big problem for me lately is that I think it might have been after the Makachev loss, which would be yeah. a weird time for it to come up for Green. 
but um, I've been feeling lately like Bobby Green is really trying to be a power puncher. Yeah. He's trying to he he's he's gotten to this feeling that oh being the volume guy isn't enough. I think I think this also goes back to that. I think he was really really pissed off about losing the Moisesh fight. Could be. So I I would say that for better and for worse this has been a phase he's he's been trying to be more decisive with the strikes. I mean he knocked yeah. out Ally Quinta very quickly. Yeah. And he true. was um yeah. And and you know I, there's not a, a lot to separate like the Iaquinta fight from the Drew Dober one. It's just that Dober's yeah. more dangerous and didn't get finished. Yeah. But he's not like he was looking bad in that fight. He was no. tuning Dober up just as he did Iaquinta. Just didn't, the result didn't uh, go the same. But uh, yeah, but but I, I agree. Like yeah. He's, he's trying to plant his feet a lot more. He's yes. trying to to be more decisive, as you say, put more sting on his shots. And he's, you know, he's basically, he's trying to counter the narrative that has been the problem for him in fights like that Moises fights or fights like the Fizia fight or fights like the Tornaldo fight or the Drakkar close fight or the, uh, you know, these other bouts that he's had all up and down his career where he has soundly outlanded his opponent Mm -hmm. and walked away with a loss. Mm -hmm. He's trying to counter that narrative and stop that from happening. But it makes him easier to hit and easier to see coming. True. It it takes the slickness, the edge of slickness off of his arsenal. And he's probably also getting a bit slower than he is. Yeah, and he's probably getting a bit slower too. And I just get the feeling that that is going to be enough for Dawson to tie him up. Sure. That that bit of him planting his feet more, him getting a li- little bit more predictable, like you can say, oh, you know, he slipped or whatever, but Tony Ferguson did put him on his ass in round one of mm-hmm. their fight. And Tony Ferguson, you know, obviously at his height, a much better fighter than Grant Dawson, but a shell of the man he used to be. Mm-hmm. No question. No question. And I just think if Dawson can be tough and throw, be willing to throw and just willing to shoot and make things messy, he can suck green into enough of his kind of fight that he'll walk away with the decision. Even if we're all looking at each other afterward and being like, man. Yeah. What I will say is, and this this hasn't really entered into my sort of uh, my my math yet for some reason, but this is a five round fight. Yeah. If Grant's style is working to the fullest, that could be terrible news for Bobby Green because it could be a very exhausting can, style. If, but it, if, if Grant gases in the third and if, Green yeah. starts to pick it up in late rounds the way he can. As he his third round is usually his best round of a three round fight. Yeah. So if Grant Dawson still has any proclivity for gassing, and I suspect it's just sort of baked into his style. Yeah. Uh, he puts himself in a lot of really taxing positions. Like that is how he gets to the back on people so often. Um. You know, I, I this is the thing. I have the same feeling you do. Like, yeah, I think yeah. Bobby Green is going to get. He's going to be too easy to put against the fence. He's going to end up in a lot of protracted wrestling sequences. He's going to get taken down and maybe not find it quite as easy to scramble up. Yeah, he uh, might get back. Sh- 
or around. Shit, maybe maybe he gets rear naked choked or gets finished like he did against Makachev. Yeah. But um Green is a Green is a very slick and adaptive fighter. Mm-hmm. He has traits uh not unlike guys who have done well against Austin in the past. And he, he is a late fight. He is. Uh coming on kind of uh guy. He's a momentum building fighter. Yes. So I don't know. I don't think it's like actually unrealistic to pick Bobby Green. I just I, I have to say that um, I would I would pick Grant Dawson if I wasn't so spiteful. Yeah, uh, and I'm I'm gonna stick with my Dawson pick. I just think yeah. it's the safer pick right now with where Green's at in his career. I've seen him lose too many fights, too many ways against too many different styles of fighter. Yeah, for me to just feel like because he has some of the tools that could dismantle Dawson, that he's going to be the guy. Yeah. Like I said, I really want to see Dawson against somebody like Tsarikin, where it's just like, okay, you shouldn't have any physical edge over this person at all. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah, alternatively, Dawson versus a uh, great white shark or a saltwater crocodile. (laughs) That could be cool, too. You know, I, for anyone who noticed before, when I said Grant a few times, uh-huh. uh, when I usually call fighters by their surnames, yeah. that may appear to you that I became suddenly familiar. But actually what it was is that Grant Dawson is such like a blow up doll of a human being that I forgot <laughs> which one was his last name. Uh, for a moment there, I was like, yeah, Grant, his name's something Grant. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. He really is a blank slate oh. creative fighter. Like you've a, pulled up the blank wait. template and they're asking you to put stuff on it. Just a mannequin. <laughs> <sighs> Who does he sort of look like? Um, is it uh, is it a young? Uh, um, um, looks like James McSweeney. James McSweeney. Yeah, former. Oh UFC. yeah, I remember James McSweeney. Yeah, that's really who he looks like a lot. If you look up James McSweeney, I think it's to me. I was like, he looks sort of like a like a less handsome young Nick Nolte. Yeah, there's that too. Sure, he's got those kind of those kind of like he's got the features sad eyes. Just- uh, yeah, he's got the kind of features that you assume will just melt with age. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's going to look like, probably being a pro fighter, he'll probably look like current day Nick Nolte in the next five years. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let me let me find the odds here. Dawson is a heavy favorite, heavier than yeah. I think is reasonable, but um, he opened at minus 312, and he's currently down at minus 412. Green opened at plus 263. He's currently up at plus 334. All right. That brings us to our co-main event. Joe Pfeiffer, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. And this is one of those fights that I think there's, A, a really easy knee-jerk pick to make, and B a good chance that this fight is way more competitive than that pick would suggest. Mm. I mean, it's easy to see what, what they put this matchup on, on the card in this position for, right? Yeah. Yeah. It looks like a stupid action fight. Yeah. 
absolutely uh, two dudes who really only know how to throw with power. Yeah. And are really only looking to throw with power. That's it. Uh, the thing, though, is that Abdul Razak al-Hassan has, for better and worse, over time, learned that that's not how he should fight. Mm-hmm. He has been uh, knocked out enough, or he's only actually been knocked out once, which mm-hmm. seems way less. But he's been ground out enough in decisions yeah. to realize over time that if he just swings like a crazy man, he might knock you out, but it's all very 50-50. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of weird because a lot of fighters, like, they start out as swinging cling fighters. And then they grow to a point of comfort where they are actually willing to sit in the pocket and extend combinations. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Al Hassan sort of started out as a guy who was more than more willing to sit down in front of somebody and just wing mill or windmill a series of hooks at them. Oh, yeah. you know, very much like just swing, just, just twisting at the torso with his arms out. Mm-hmm. And has grown into a fighter who will throw one shot and then immediately clinch and push his opponent against the fence. Yeah. That has been his his solution to having had a bunch of 50-50 wars that he barely won by the skin of his teeth or that he just got out-clinched and out-wrestled in. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really sure still enough of what else Joe Pfeiffer knows how to do other than punch Mm -hmm. people really hard. Yep. So there is a chance for Abdul Razak al-Hassan to make this fight way more difficult just by swinging, clinging his way through Joe Pfeiffer for multiple minutes. I mean, there is also the chance that if this is a a stupider variety of uh, Al Hassan fight, that Pfeiffer just gets hit first and loses. Sure, sure. there is that like, chance. To me, I I actually did not come into this with an oh, it's I didn't feel as as obvious about this as as you suggested before. Like oh, Joe Pfeiffer's on a hot streak. Al Hassan is not. Clearly, Joe Pfeiffer's going to win. To me, like yes, either Al Hassan is the slightly craftier fighter who has sort of already suffered the consequences that are surely coming down the pike for Joe Pfeiffer sooner or later and has tried to sort of mitigate his style and find ways of banking time and preserving his energy. But also like if it's the stupid version, the UFC is clearly hoping for, I'm not certain Joe Pfeiffer is going to win that because he's just fighting another guy who, who, who can hit as hard as him and, yeah, and, and I'm not like it's not. I, it's just my knee jerk is yeah. like watching yeah. a little, uh, watch a minute of the tape of, on each guy, and Pfeiffer is yeah very clean, clearly the much cleaner puncher, and he has a he actually I you know I said both guys just try to swing as hard as they can, but Pfeiffer does actually have a second speed. That's true. He, yeah. he will pepper and then load and then find one big shot off of peppering. Yeah. And it's, it, it may only be two speeds, but 
Al Hassan is really only a one speed fighter. Yeah, I think Pfeiffer definitely has a lot more feel for striking. Yes. He looks a lot more relaxed. He faints. He actually like measures. Um, it is not all just he is trying to set up the big shot. Yeah. Rather than just being in a situation where he can't do anything except throw big shot after big shot. Yeah. So for me, it's just sort of a knee jerk. If we get that kind yeah. of fight, I'm going to pick Pfeiffer to win it. Yeah. But then there's, you know, like I say, Al Hassan, the swinging cling artist, mm-hmm. he's make he, you know, he's doing work to make his fights closer and grimier. That fight he had against Joaquin Buckley. Yeah. Like Joaquin Buckley is very Joe Pfeiffer in that sort of like, oh, yeah, there's a little more nuance here than Al Hassan has. But Al Hassan made that fight really close by just constantly tying. Uh, Buckley up and making him wrestle and grapple with him. Mm-hmm. And it just made for a really ugly fight. Yep. And, uh, you know, then against somebody like Claudio Hibero, too. Like, that is a fight where both men are just complete wild swinging, you know, swinging cling fighters. And mm-hmm. Al Hassan was able to make Hibero much more uncomfortable. By putting him on the fence. Mm-hmm. And it's effective. I mean, Al-Hassan is, he's got a bit of the, um, the, uh, who's the, who's the guy who's completely busted, who every, he, every like year and a half, we're like, oh, maybe he's figured it out now. Why am I forgetting his name? Big, strong athlete got finished by Chris Curtis. Oh, you know yeah. Uh, damn it. You know who I'm talking about. He fought Imavov. Phil Hawes. Phil Hawes. Yeah. It's a bit of the Phil Hawes thing where, like, Al-Hassan doesn't even have to particularly be a great wrestler (laughs) to make it work. He's a big, strong man. Yeah. And at one point, he was a very good judoka. And and that, too. I forgot he had a judo background. Yeah. that Judo is one of those arts where I'm like, man, this should translate to MMA so much better than it does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes it shows up and you're really impressed by it. Sometimes it's like a couple tricks and it doesn't seem to be yeah. connected. Maybe that's not a maybe that's more of a um a knock on the fighters who practice it in MMA than it is on the art of judo cuz it does seem like it should make a really natural transition to MMA. It really does. Right? It's like stand-up wrestling with like grip fighting and like a certain element of like footwork and it and should translate. <laughs> yeah, like there's a lot of similarities to like what a lot of Sambo does. Like Sambo yeah, is more yeah, combat yeah. oriented, but there's a lot of similarities in like the grip fighting and in the ground game transition stuff and stuff Sambo like that. Sambo has a massive influence from judo. Yeah. No doubt. And Sambo translates really well to MMA. Just really well and naturally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and judo is always like are you going to be the kind of judoka who automatically rolls for an arm bar every time and then gets lit up the moment you can't yeah. get one? Or are you going to be the kind of judo or judoka who only clinches people and can't ever seem to make anything happen out of that clinch? Yeah. And, uh, you know, Al Hassan is more the latter. But, you know, you know, I think would make, would make us see more good judoka in MMA. <laughs> this damn judo federation or whatever. Oh, yeah. Needs to stop trying to make the sport all special and unique and allow judoka to hit double legs again. Well, and just allow judokas to do MMA. 
Like they will kick your ass to the curb if you really if yeah. you if you you know dilly if you uh what's the word I'm looking dabble for? in the sport like dabble train yeah people in the sport stuff like that really hate it that I mean the big reason that MMA stayed banned in France for as long as it did yeah yeah purely judoka the judo federation lobby interesting yeah I feel like they should see it as a thing like hey this is a thing where like been great for wrestlers who yeah. want to continue to be athletes because there's there's no vein for them to go and be professional wrestlers great for sambo practice yeah you know what's, what's wrong with making a profession out of your judo skills other than just teaching other people to do judo right yeah but there is a thing where judo has tried to make itself more and more specific yeah. over the last couple of decades and they have like it's basically like it can't be just our version of wrestling yeah so no, you can't do wrestling moves. Like you're no longer allowed to like knee pick and double leg people. Those used to be, they had Japanese names. They were like part of the judo move book because why wouldn't they be tackling people works? But, but uh, yeah. And anyway, all aside, I'm picking Joe Pfeiffer here. Yeah. Because he's the cleaner, more deft striker and both men have a bunch of power. And while, Al Hassan can throw a wrench in there with his 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 cling the the cling to the swing. Mm-hmm. I don't trust it enough to keep him safe. Whereas like you know it worked really good good against Claudio Hibero because Claudio Hibero is actually a less deft striker yeah. than Al Hassan. So Al Hassan could tie him up and then force him back into open like very brief exchanges where Al Hassan would always have the cleaner first move. Yeah. And then clinch him up again and then restart and have the cleaner first move and clinch him up and like always be resetting to being that cleaner first, that, that cleaner first moment. Yeah. And he won't have that chance with Pfeiffer. Every time he lets Pfeiffer go, Pfeiffer will be the one who has the chance to do the better thing first. And, And Pfeiffer to me looks like he has a better idea of what his range is. Yeah. Than the guys that all Hassan striking tends to work against, um, and does not like as readily overcommit unless he's pretty damn sure he's got the shot lined up and and timed. Yeah. Uh, whereas, yeah, exactly. Somebody like Ibero, like Al Hassan, can kind of just mosey forward, and maybe both guys will take a big stupid swing from too far away. But Al Hassan's big stupid swings are the only ones that lead to like underhooks. Yeah. <laughs> that, that that's the stage. Stage two of his attack, and Hibero's attack has only one stage. Yep. Um, so, so yeah, I'm gonna pick Piper as well. And Piper uh, is a a pretty big favorite. Opened at minus two ninety nine. He's currently at minus three eighty nine after getting as low as minus four forty eight. So those odds are actually moving closer together right now, which I think is smart. I think that's way too wide on Joe Piper. Al Hassan opened at plus two fifty four, and he's currently up at plus three twenty after getting as high as plus three sixty. Mm. And yeah, like this is a fight where if either guy gets their lights turned out sure. in the first thirty seconds, nobody should be surprised. So it's yeah. just hard for me to see it as like a huge landslide for Joe Piper. Like I say, it's just kind of it's if you're just looking at the basic dynamic of this fight, it's like well. Two guys hit really hard. I'm going to take the 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 cleaner guy, the guy who punches a little cleaner. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm on the same page. All right. 
that brings us to a welterweight fight. Alex Morono, Joaquin Buckley. And I like this matchup. It's a good matchup, excepting that I feel like I have seen this fight several times before with Morono, and I just... I want to believe he can do it different this time, but I don't. <clears throat> You're referring to Morono Chaos Williams or Santiago Ponzinibbio, Ponzinibbio. or uh, Nico Price. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. One thing I will say is that, um, yeah, Buckley certainly has an, uh, an element of that. I mean, he's he's obviously dangerous. Um, he he's such a he's such a physical specimen, like across the board. Yeah, that like somehow all the things you would have expected to go wrong with him cutting weight uh, just didn't go wrong. Like, yeah, he looked perfectly fine in that fight with Fialu. Didn't didn't seem to tire. Didn't didn't seem like much. The thing is, is like I think he is super duper fast. So he didn't really seem slower. No, yeah, he's he's just his his it's his timing that is consistently the problem. Yeah, when he starts to feel really predictable, but he, the uh, speed holds up. Who was it? There, uh, oh man, um, there was a dude, and it wasn't Brian Bowles, although Brian Bowles was also this guy. There was a guy who came over from like Strike Force. He fought Bobby Volker, which I know is not a not helpful because it's a name nobody's been paying attention to for the last. Robbie eight Lawler years knocked so. that guy out. That's the only Volker fight I remember. Yeah, um, Roger. I remember Bowling. that. That was the dude. Oh, I remember Roger Bowling. He had that little brief series with. Um, Remember that he he had like a, a, a two fight, yeah, he with Trujillo where they had like Bobby a foul. Volker. He had three fights with Bobby Volker. Okay, that was like a that was like a little action undercard action highlight in Bellator. Yeah, yeah. Or the, well, the uh, that was in Strike Force back in Strike Force. I mean, sorry, yeah. yes. Um, so and you can see why I got him confused with uh, Brian yeah. Bowles, Roger Bowling. Yeah, I think he's but, from Ohio, Roger Bowling. He he was Neville, Ohio. There we go. And Roger Bowling was a dude that if you like, you go look him up, you'll be like, damn, this dude looks like he was a monster, you know, just absolutely ripped, super powerful. And you'd watch him go out, you go out and watch him for a fight. And for like the first minute of that Mm -hmm. fight, Mm-hmm. It would be like, God damn, this dude hits hard. He is fast. He is going to be great. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. And then you realize he only throws everything at one speed. And the only thing that can happen when you are that kind of muscle bound and throwing at that kind of speed is that you're just going to get slower over time. Mm-hmm. It, that speed is going to diminish, but it's always going to be the exact same timing. And even if it doesn't, I mean, this is the thing that yeah. the other physical quality that Buckley has that bowling didn't Buckley has great stamina. Yeah. But Buckley does not slow down. 
I mean, he did briefly in the Al Hassan fight, and he recovered. They like so goddamn. They wrestled so much, but yeah, but Buckley is is an absolute workhorse as well as being a very powerful, fast kind of athlete. He has the hustle, no doubt. Yeah. But even if he when he isn't slowing down, he feels slower once you've been through the first round yeah. because he's he's throwing almost everything as hard as he possibly can. Yeah, it's always one speed, one timing, one straight line entry, and you're always, you know, he starts from six feet away, and so you're always like, oh, okay. I don't know what he's going to throw when he steps in, but I know exactly where he'll be. And, and he has I, a real tendency I, to surge straight forward with all yeah. of his combinations. So once you start realizing how to outmaneuver him, it's like, okay, I know what's going to happen. He's starting from really far away, same exact tempo, and he's going to be going this direction. Yeah, it's all the things that make it predictable that undermine the the, genu- the gen- genuine speed that he possesses. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, like, um, you know, like the the problem with me picking Buckley confidently over Morono is that like Buckley is never more than like one easily timed defensive move away from getting stopped. Yeah, no, he throws, he pitches himself at people with so much reckless confidence that you you catch him and, you know, he he doesn't, it's not like he, Joaquin Buckley has a bad chin, but he, when he gets cracked, it is with so much, yeah, it's so clean and with so much combined force of his yeah. momentum and your momentum that, like, it, it, your chin can't be good enough. Yeah, to take the shots he takes, and he's not really great defensively. Which, like, he has defensive moves. Yeah, and normally the problem would be a fighter can like slip and evade or whatever. And I'm like, you should use that, set up some offense. Yeah, Buckley only moves defensively, thinking I'm going to immediately throw back. It should be a strength. Yeah, but yeah. it too becomes so predictable that. Once you can sort of time his defensive move, this is why he's been head kick KO'd twice. Yeah. Because somebody's like, okay, I do this first layer. He immediately responds with like a fully committed slip. Yep. A slip that is fully committed because it is a spring-loaded preparation for whatever combination he's going to launch at me when he's done. And because of that, he's not really like responding to the specific threat coming at him with the slip. He's thinking about how he's going to launch himself at you. It becomes very rote. And so you're just like, okay, I'm going to faint him. He's going to slip and I'm going to boot him in the head. Yep. Everything in walking Buckley's game um, can become predictable and timeable. And uh, which is why, you know, he ended up taking a bunch of clean shots from like Andre Fialyu. There were moments of that fight where Fialyu was just landing straight punches on him and was uh, drawing out his counters and punishing him for them and, and pushing him straight back on the end of, uh, of one twos. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like Morono can jab Joaquin Buckley. Sure. Morono is, <laughs> he's got a great jab. I, I'm not gonna say Morono is a cleaner fighter than Joaquin Buckley, but he is a much more nuanced fighter than Joaquin Morono, Buckley. Morono fights with feel that Buckley does not have. He is much yeah. less a rote fighter um, he is also a much less coordinated and athletic fighter. So, like yes. in one way, he's a more natural yep. striker than Buckley. In another way, he is the last person you would point to as being natural because his, this, like, this is a real Frankenstein opportunity. <laughs> yes. Where if you could put Alex Morono's brain in Joaquin Buckley's body, you would oh, have yeah. a world champion. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Morono is a very thoughtful fighter. He's coachable. He is like actively paying close attention to the patterns his opponent is putting out there. Mm-hmm. And he is looking to land his counters. He is looking to keep a hold of the initiative with his jab. Like Morono has an ability to control a fight and just sort of win by staying in control. Yeah. And he also has the ability to be losing a fight and come back by landing a really well-timed counter or something like that. Mm-hmm. He's a much more flexible mental athlete than Joaquin Buckley. Yep. But he is, I mean, he, that's why he's good because otherwise he's one yeah. of the worst physical athletes in the organization. Yeah. He's a completely <laughs> unflexible physical athlete. Yes. It's, it's such a strange matchup for that reason. And, um, since I've already like, made a, comp- a very, very washed version of Anthony Pettis was just like, no, I can yeah. just beat you. I don't have to, I don't have to pay attention to any of the nuance of your game. If I just go out there and like, yeah, toss you around and hit you way, hit you with more speed than you can hit me. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, <sighs> I really want to pick Morono. Right. Right. Cause I'm- I guarantee you there will be long stretches of this fight that it, you're just like Alex Morono is just he's just clearly winning. Yeah. No question. He's just awkwardly pivoting and jabbing Joaquin Buckley's face off. It just yeah. keeps landing. Yeah. And quite hard that's, to outgrapple since that's the other yeah. thing that Buckley has been trying to do more. Well, Morono is actually sneakily difficult to beat uh, on the ground. I mean, I actually kind of like this about Joaquin Buckley. His idea of take, taking somebody down and grappling with them is literally just, I want you to think about how fast and strong I am. Sure, yeah. He just he will just drive in, pick somebody up yeah. off their feet, throw them to the mat, and then be like, okay, I'm getting up now. Yeah. Like, you, you think about me doing that. And I'm not even interested in following up on it. Yeah. Which I like. I honestly think, mm-hmm. like, you know, that's MMA allows for that. There should be more of that kind of, you know, like, no, I don't want to go down and tangle with and get tangled up in somebody's grappling game. Like, you know what Buckley doesn't have on his career record at all? A submission? A submission loss. Hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, he just doesn't spend any time there. He's and he's a good enough he's a good enough athlete that he can usually find a way up to his feet if he's the one getting taken down. That's why the Al Hassan fight was so ugly because he yeah. ended up spending more time tied up than he wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. But, but mm, I'm just gonna pick Morono because well, I mean who cares? Yeah. I'm terrible yeah. at picking fights anyway. I may as well just go with gut picks. People who pick better than me do that all the time. They just their gut likes better fighters than mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there. I think there's going to be like a couple of solid rounds where Alex Moroni is just like, man, he is, he has got this. He is walking the tightrope. He yeah. has got this fight in control. He is winning, and then he's just going to get fucking melted <laughs> by some clubbing right hand, and it'll turn his lights out, and that'll be it. Yeah. Because, like, man, he outboxed Santiago Ponzinibbio for two and a half rounds. He sure did. 
And then is just like, what if I'm a great late round fighter who always grits his teeth and bites down? And what if you're a little bit tired because you're having to work so goddamn hard just to yeah. keep up with me? What if I go sicko mode? Yeah. And it worked. Yeah. And, but and sometimes somebody like Chaos Williams just comes in and throws three of the most hideous power punches you've ever seen. And Morona yeah. just hasn't settled into the fight yet. Yeah. He just gets his clock cleaned because, yeah, it's what happens when you stand like Sean Strickland, but you don't have Sean's defense. Yep. All right. Odds on the fight. Joaquin Buckley is the favorite, open at minus 156. Got down as low as minus 200, but it's currently up at minus 165. Morono opened at plus 140, got up as high as plus one, uh, seven, 180. And it's currently back at plus 147. I like that. I think the odds should be reasonably close, uh, even allowing for the fact that this fight may not look close at all. Yeah. But there, there is a very realistic version of this fight that looks super close. And with, there's also a version which Moreno wins, which is not like impossible to imagine. Yeah, all he has to do is not get knocked out. And I Basically, will not be surprised yeah. at all if Alec Moreno wins this fight. Right. I'm looking forward to it. I like this matchup. No, it's a it's a it's a well matched fight. It, it it honestly of all the fights on this card, I like it the most. Yeah. All right. Uh, now that gets us to a lightweight bout: Drew Dober, Ricky Glenn, and um, yeah, this is also a fight that like. A year or two ago, I'd be like, man, I don't know who's going to win mm-hmm. this. But now I am much less confident, much more confident one way or the other. <laughs> yeah, this is one that's a, it's a trick fight for a guy yeah. like me because I'm like, ooh, I love Ricky Glenn. Love Drew Dober, who doesn't. Yep. Yep. This is going to be so cool and yada, yada, yada. And then I think about it for 45 more seconds and I'm like, maybe Drew Dober's just going to sleep Rick Glenn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really quickly because he's like the slowest man on the planet. Yeah, that's the thing is that, like, okay, it is, it, is a, it is a big note of caution that Drew Dober just got knocked out himself. Sure, sure. Because um, Drew Dober has, has been fighting and leaning on his chin for years. He is yeah. a Ace first fighter. Who wouldn't and, want to lean on that chin? Yeah. And what made it, what made him great, you know, in, in his, in his best runs where he beat like Polo Reyes, Nasrat Hawkfrost, Alexander Hernandez had those, the, you know, obviously got beat by Islam Makachev, but that was never going to be a fight that any version of Drew Dober was ever going to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it had a war with Brad Riddell and then went on another three fight winning streak Mm-hmm. Drew Dober was out there leading with his face, getting into the pocket and throwing with power. And and I think maybe all three. I mean, I know he got nearly KO'd early by Terrence McKinney. Yeah. And he was getting tuned up for a bit by Bobby Green. Did he also get hurt in the in the, the Rafael Alves fight? I would be kind of sh- I don't remember specifically. Seems seems yeah, weird that he wouldn't now, be, he, right? It'd be shocking if he didn't get hurt. (laughs) Right. Because that's, as we knew at the time, a guaranteed barn burner. Yeah. But yeah, even in those wins and, and they were impressive and it's not like you can use this to even discredit them. Like they also show the smart aspects of Drew Dober's game. They show his craft and his, 
uh, mental resilience, but they also all feature him getting hurt. Yeah. And and then he gets knocked out by Matt Frivola. And then Frivola just kind of looked at the Bobby Green fight and mm-hmm. was like, well, okay, what if I hit harder than Bobby Green and I also lead with a jab every time you want to step into the pocket? Mm-hmm. And he fight just, from Frivola. Yeah, he just caught Dober stepping in hard every single time Dober stepped in. Mm-hmm. And even if Dober could make a 50-50 exchange out of it, it always started with Dover getting clipped mm-hmm. and eventually knocked him out. It was Dober trying to adjust to that jab that got him knocked out. Yeah. As I recall, I think he slipped and um, Frollo was ready for it and hit him with a right hand. The problem with this Ricky Glenn fight, however, is that Ricky does not have that reaction in yeah. his game. He, too, is a short-arm, face-first fighter who wants to get into the pocket and lead with his chin. So that in his recent fight with Christos Giagos, whose striking looks a hell of a lot like Drew Dober's right now, Mm -hmm. all Giagos had to do was leap in from distance and punch up with hooks. Yep. And Glenn would was second. Glenn would be there trying to go second, trying to counter, and trying to be tall in the pocket, and also have and have a firefight. And like that is the fight that Dober is winning. Those are yeah. fights that Dober wins. When Glenn survives those early moments, he is a really resourceful, gritty fighter. Yeah, uh, who's really quite good everywhere. Yeah, and like I absolutely. said, uh, when we talked about Grant Dawson, like he ended that fight out wrestling and out grappling yeah. Grant Dawson. He really he has a hell of a game that it could put Dober through hell if it gets to that point. Yeah. But uh, aside from the the win that shocked everyone, that instant KO over Joaquin Silva. Um, Ricky Glenn is never capable of doing that kind of thing or being that effective early in a fight. And he's slow. He's just really, yeah. really slow. And and like ungainly, and unhittable. if his hand is starting to go, yeah. then that's a that is it's a big problem for Dober too, but it's a bigger problem for yeah. Glenn yeah. because Glenn does not strike first. Even if it isn't, start, you don't have to have a bad chin to get knocked out by Drew Dober. Yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's like a truck, and he's super aggressive. He knows he can knock you out, and that's how he fights. Yeah, so yeah, my 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 uh. 180 on this fight did did put me into the position that I end up in, which is I think Drew Dober is going to quickly KO Ricky Glenn. Yeah, yeah. It just it feels too right with what we've seen out of the both of them lately. Yeah. And even if they both are starting to face the end of their durability for durability-based styles, you just have to look at Dober being able to step in without meeting something mm-hmm. right when he does which is going to let him hit first. And even and, if he does again, like that Bobby green fight. Yeah. Didn't get KO'd. And so no. it didn't prevent him from adjusting to it and, and, and knocking Bobby green out instead. Yeah. 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 Dober can take the shots. He will find better shots as the fight goes. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so yeah, got to go Drew Dober by KO. Yep. 
Dover is a heavy favorite too. Open at minus three thirty four. It's currently at minus four forty one. Wow. Glenn opened at plus two eighty one. It's currently up at plus three fifty four. That's maybe. I mean, I know we both sound real definite on this. Yeah. It should be noted. Dover's wrestling and grappling games have been bad for a long time. They're good enough for what he needs to do sometimes, but sometimes. yeah, he's he's still. His entire UFC career is peppered with losses to suffocating if, grapplers. If Glenn can just clinch him up and drag him to the mat, this fight changes dramatically. Sure. You know? And I think that's very likely to happen if Glenn just survives the first round. Yeah. Not that Dober like completely falls apart, but... Um, but Glenn gets better. Yeah, he, he warms he gets up. more determined. And mm-hmm. once he, he gets the speed and can... T- for a lot of fighters, if they don't get knocked out early, they get used to the speed of the fight. They see the fight, the, the shots coming more, and they get harder to knock out late. And yep. Glenn has always been a tough guy to knock out. Yep. So, if he can survive that first round, then this could become a really brutal fight. Yeah, for but I... On the other hand, Dober as a significant favorite does not feel wrong. No, probably he's going to land a lot of shots really quickly. Yeah, yeah. All right, that brings us to our final main card or main main card fight of the of the evening. The evening, the evening. The final fight of the evening. All right, Bill Alcio, Alexander Hernandez. Featherweight fight. You're and... out, bitch. People, people on Twitter were commenting when you made fun of the way I talked. <laughs> your, your turn, bitch. In the final fight of my evening. I suppose I make fun of the way you talk all the time, especially you fighting. I, I brought up, like, how dare you make fun of the way I talk? And I'm like, you do that all the time to me. What are you talking about? Yeah, man? especially your name pronunciations and everything. Yeah. yeah. I get I get shit all the time for that. Just as often, I sort of try to gently coach you, you know. But but there is. Try to gently coach you. Is there a note of condescending superiority to my coaching? Some might say there is, but. But they would those, be fools. Those people peasants. don't. Those filthy urchins simply do not want to learn. That's right. Um. Yeah, uh, Alexander Hernandez uh, lost to Billy Quarantillo. Yeah. Is this uh, not going to be another version of that? It really, Bill Algio is right smack dab in that mold. I think Quarantillo has an advantage over Algio and that Quarantillo knows exactly how he wins fights. Yeah, yeah. He has absolutely zero illusions. There is never a moment. Things always go badly very early for Quarantillo. And like a Ricky Glenn, you know, like he, there is nothing that can happen to Quarantillo before his game starts working that will convince him that his game is not going to start working at some point. Yeah. It is all part of the process for him. And I have talked about this before with like strategies, like, if you're game planning for a fight, you want something that allows you to process um, to process setbacks in a positive way. Like mm-hmm. that's really important for your confidence and all the things connected to that, like your gas tank and your defense, your reactions to shots. Being confident is very important. And going into a fight knowing like, well, if X happens, that's fine because it's going to lead to this. That allows you to be confident even when another fighter might feel that they are losing. 
And Quarantillo has a one-size-fits-all strategy that makes him exceedingly confident no matter what happens because it's all about the pace. Yep. And if the pace is happening and it's going against him, that's fine because it's still his pace and it will lead to a win eventually. Yep. Algio is not that. Algio's fight, fighting style is if I get mad enough, you'll lose. Yes. For Algio, the pace often seems a bit of an accident. Yeah. Um, and he's not always like pressuring as concertedly as Quarantillo almost always is. Like it's not quite so focused. Yeah. But he does have a lot of Quarantillo ass fights. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he, they, he, they look similar at the end of the day. If he's fighting on his emotion and his anger, that that stuff, that shit really carries him very well. Yeah. Like, he gets emotionally into the fight and into that, like, you can't hurt me, I'll hurt you mode pretty yeah. easily, and he stays there. So that he can have a fight like he did against... Uh, TJ Brown where you're watching you're like you are just getting fucked up all the way through like every mm -hmm. time you exchange Brown is landing super clean and Algio is just every single time like no I'm going to hit you harder Yeah, no I'm going to hit you harder I'm yeah. sure of it and, and the reason that his game is not as focused as Quarantillo's is that he is genuinely a more, much more flexible fighter than Quarantillo. Yeah, yeah. Algio is a better technician. Yeah. His striking is much cleaner. His footwork is better. Um, you know, like there is, there are multiple ways he can win a fight and multiple directions he can be moving. It's just that he can't, he can't not have a scrap if one is offered to him. Yeah. And that's why you get the Quarantillo parallel in, in at the end of the day. Um, yeah. I mean, Hernandez is going to piss him off, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hernandez will go out there and put it on Algio for yeah. the first few minutes of this fight. No question. And, and in the absence of pushback, Hernandez uh, looks like a beast. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, he's a he is an increasingly clean striker. He's powerful. He's fast. Um, He's a strong wrestler as well. I mean, he really has a really well-developed game built to destroy virtually any type of heavy bag. Yeah. Um, but I mean, but he's one of the fighters that like, I do just feel bad for him now. Yeah. He's because like a prisoner. Like, he has worked so hard to overcome. He has every... gotten better. He's really fleshed out his game, but he still has that fundamental problem, which is like, he panics when people can take his shots and come back after him. And he hates being pressured. And it's just, it has to be so, it's so terrible for his to, for like, I can't imagine being a fighter who, you know, didn't find that out. Yeah, right. Seven years into his career. Yeah. Like nope. maybe he had some uncomfortable experiences, but he could just clean people's clocks. Like, yeah. Like he had one split decision loss to Jamal Emmers early on. Yeah. Emmers good fighter but you can bet that that was just a really like spirited back and forth fight that they both competed in yeah and then he just you know dusted everybody else for years and then you get to this fight with donald cerrone and that is like the sudden teaching moment that there's just this well of insecurity that you had no idea existed yeah and it's stripped bare shown to everybody and he's never been able to get it back yeah 
And and fights with Bill Algio just they didn't they never have the trend of getting easier the longer they go on. Oh, no, never. even e- even the the kind of fighters who do beat him, even guys like Ricardo Lamas and Brendan Law. That was a barn burner. He almost finished Lamas in that fight. Yeah, like yeah, and it was it, it was an extremely grimy tough fight. That yeah. was his UFC debut, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Algio he's a dude like. I really do think that it's just like, you know, it's a bit like uh, like Damon Jackson, Damon Jackson, but he's mm-hmm. tougher and a, and a better athlete than Damon mm-hmm. Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's, it's similar to Damon Jackson where you just get this it's idea. There's an infinite well of anger there. Yes. Yeah. Fueled by resentment. And the, uh, opponents think, oh, well, if I keep beating him, this will stop. Mm-hmm. And no. it's just like, no. <laughs> Never. This man can get angry. He could fuel the sun off of his rage. <laughs> it's true. Even, this sounds like a joke, but this is true. Like, Algio is the definition of a dog. Like, yeah, there is nothing you can do to Bill Algio aside from finishing him that will make him not want to punish you for daring to do that to him. He is just a fundamentally a scrapper. Yeah. And you know who's finished him? He's got, he's got two he's Shane Burgos by Rear Naked Choke in 2014 and some guy named Dean, Dean Lavin by Armbar in 2012. Otherwise, nobody. Yeah. Nobody since when was the uh, Burgos fight? Yeah. Nobody since 2014. And it's not like he's been having one sided easy fights where a finish couldn't happen. No. Yeah. I just have to pick Algio here. I just think he's a yeah. lot more trustworthy. For the the chaos, this fight will inevitably spiral into. Should be a fun one, though. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's the only re- the only way Algio is going to get there is when Hernandez beats his ass for a good bit. Yep. Um, I, one thing I will say for in Hernandez's favor, and we we pointed this out before, uh, Algio is like an all terrain fighter when it comes to finding ways to fight back and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know this this was effective against like T.J. Brown. He surprised him with a lot of takedowns. Yeah. You can't take Hernandez down. No. He's a rock with his takedown defense. He is like virtually impossible unless you are an absolutely phenomenal wrestler, which Algio is a good wrestler, but not that good. So he might not have access to all of his usual avenues for like creating chaos and responding to his opponent's aggression. That being said, I don't think that's going to dissuade him from doing the things he can do. Yeah, but maybe it leads to some good moments for uh, Hernandez to kind of slow the uh, slow the the tide and and stay in control and gain some respite that he just mentally needs. Mm-hmm. Maybe Aljo goes for a takedown, gets shut down, and Hernandez can kind of stall him out. Yeah, maybe he can he can pancake him and get mm-hmm. in his guard and just do some work on top where he can feel safe for a bit. Yeah, because Hernandez, yeah, Hernandez's defensive wrestling and his grappling are are rock solid. So it's it's a good fight, but I'm I'm picking Algio. Yeah, you kind of have to. Algio is a very slight favorite. Opened at minus one forty seven. Is currently at minus one thirty eight. Uh, oh, I just lost it. Damn it, Hernandez. There he is. Hernandez opened at plus one thirty two. Is currently at plus one twenty four. So odds are nice and close. Uh, it is weird to th- uh, you know it's like they could be wider. But that's weird to say because, you know, Hernandez is so clearly like such a better athlete that you're mm-hmm. like, 
do you really want to give good odds to the guy that is not nearly as athletic, but just way tougher? But he's a better athlete than Algio. Algio is a better athlete than Quarantillo. No, yeah, I know. Quarantillo murked Hernandez by the end. I I think it could be more, more definitive. Yeah. All right. Uh, That, that wraps up the main card. So uh, for those of you subscribing to our Substack, we'll be right back in just a moment with a little bit of bonus content. For those of you who aren't, this is the time to subscribe to our Substack. Get some bonus content. Yeah, what the Come hell, on, guys. Be- Come on. Yeah. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection main card and prelims UFC preview shows, the sixth round post fight show, the Show Money podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.